0: Welcome to the Lawn and Garden podcast with UW Extension Specialist Jeff Edwards and gardening enthusiast Jerry Urshabeck, presented by UW Extension and originally aired on KGOS and KERM in Torrington. Good
1: morning. This is Jeff Edwards from the University of Wyoming. This is the KGOS, KERM Lawn and Garden program. And in the studio with me today, I have Jerry Urshabeck. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, Jeff. How are you today? Good, thank you. Good to see you. And uh, on the line with us, we've saved the best for last. We have Leroy Johns. He is the horticulturist for the University of Wyoming Extension in Platte County. And uh, good morning, Leroy.
2: Good morning, Jeff, and I do take bribes and kickbacks for that nice call. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know.
1: You, you, well... I think you paid me, didn't you? Well,
2: yeah, yeah,
3: but we won't talk about that under the table there. Uh, For me, it's five bucks. You know, you say
1: something good to me, i send you five bucks right away.
2: He wanted more than that from me.
1: Oh, yeah, okay. Um, So uh, we're going to listen to a few messages from our sponsors, and we'll be back in a little bit.
0: We'll get back to Jeff and his guests in just a moment. You are listening to the Lawn and Garden Podcast, presented by UW-Extension extending the land-grant mission across the state of Wyoming with a wide variety of educational programs and services. Visit us at www.uwayo.edu slash uwe or search UW Extension at the main uwyo.edu page. There, you can look up the location of your county office, browse our many programs, and access tons of UW Extension publications to help not only your gardening pursuits, but also economic information, rangeland management tips, and so much more. Check it out today. Now, back to the Lawn and Garden podcast with Jeff Edwards.
1: Okay, we're back. This is Jeff Edwards, Jerry Urshabek, and Leroy Johns. This is the KGOS KERM Lawn and Garden program. And, you know, Jerry, you were on the road last week i was Uh, it's good to
3: have you back well it's good to be back that that uh that's tough being on the road and and reporting (laughs) and having a conversation on the radio (laughs) reporting live uh so yeah it was kind of fun and you know i got up early and my my brother-in-law goes what are you doing i said well i got a radio show to do (laughs) and he goes okay so i went out to my truck and plugged in my phone and there we were
1: excellent very good and Leroy, I don't even want to ask where you're at this morning. <laughs> I'm
2: in my couch and my and my
1: PJs, Jeff. <laughs> that's that's perfect, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I thought so, especially on a rainy day. You yeah,
1: know? yeah, get up a little bit later. Uh, yeah, kick back. You know, I hate to I hate to mention this, but this is our last uh, program of the season, so um, we'll uh, we'll try to make it a good one and and discuss as much stuff as we possibly can. And Lynn has a.
0: They cut the mulberry tree down, they have a stump, and they keep getting growth. How do you Uh, get rid of the stump?
1: Okay, so... Grind um, it down. So, uh, individual has called in already, and they have a mulberry tree, they cut it down. Continuing to get growth from the stump, how do you kill the stump? And I don't know what that word is. (laughs) But we'll work on it. Um, So, Leroy, do you have recommendations for that? Well, there... there is a product out there that and I
2: don't know with that you can use if if it's not going to tie in the other I think it's a Tordon RTU which is a it's not a restricted use chemical that is for that and that, I've talked to our weed and pest guy Jeff and I can't remember what but I think that's one of the ones that he does recommend or has recommended.
1: Okay. Uh, part of the stump treatment, though, is once you cut a tree off that you want to try to make sure is dead, you need to treat it within 10 minutes after right. that cut. exactly, yeah. O- otherwise, that'll heal up, <coughs> excuse me, and um, uh, scab over, so to say. Not, not, not the. It's not exactly that, but um, any product you apply after that 10-minute window has less of an opportunity to control it. So, yeah. Um, I guess what I would do on the the new growth that's coming up, trim all that off again, and then reapply a product to that. Uh, glyphosate works as well. Right. Um, so uh, a lot of different things, but make sure trim off the new growth. You have a ten-minute window to apply product to that, and uh, uh, I believe Tordon RTU you can purchase from.
2: Yeah, it's it's an uh, You can't. Yeah, you, that.
1: Can, you can purchase it locally. Do you you, uh, recommend drilling holes into the stump?
3: Right. So you drill a bunch of holes into the stump and you pour your product into it. So there's your 10-minute window, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: but see, the the stump, the the heartwood is dead. And what you're really trying to do is kill the living wood, which is the cambium layer on the outside. I think Amy talked about the cambium layer last week. So you really need a fresh cut through the... The the growing tissue on the outside of that stump, and that's where the application goes. You really do not need to treat the inside of that stump Man. with the herbicide. Yeah, that 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 stump treatment that you're applying actually is to rot the stump that's there. I've been applying my product wrong. It happens. I should have I should have been drilling
3: on the edge of that stump. Yes. Yeah, to kill
1: it. Yes. Right. So that's why you're continuing to have growth. Yeah. Was this your question, Jerry? No. <laughs> <laughs> I do bring in my own question. But
3: uh, we had a stump that was like that. We cut it off and cut the tree down. And we had a, I don't know, a two-and-a-half-foot stump. And we had it ground out. Right. So that was, that was it. And then we, you get to use the, the chips and the bark for sure. mulch as
1: well. Sure. And, and sometimes just grinding them off doesn't necessarily kill them either. Uh, you'll have roots that are closer to the surface and they'll, want it to, they'll have a tendency to sprout up. So you may still have to do a herbicide application. That's where we'll get our mushrooms. Yeah. Our tree mushrooms. They're too bad morels don't grow here. No kidding. Huh?
3: <laughs> but those mushrooms, they do come up. They're just fascinating to look at. Uh, big old elephant
1: ear and, you know, looking like. Yeah, puffballs and, puff balls and puff those types balls, of things. I yeah. guess I shouldn't say morels don't grow here. They're really difficult to find. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, Leroy, we haven't spoken with you all season, I I don't think. What what do you got going on over in Platte County?
2: Oh, a couple things. Uh, this is one I wanted to cover, uh, that we've got coming up next Saturday, uh, at the 4-H building here on the fairgrounds.
1: Wait a minute, is next Saturday the 6th? 6th, yep. Okay, you're competing with a local event in Goshen County, you know that, right? Well, we're (laughs) going (laughs) to (laughs) win. Okay, go ahead.
2: Okay, it's called, and I've got uh, Carol O'Mara and Tamla Blunt from CSU coming in. A lot of the folks over in Goshen County have come over to some of the workshops we've had with these two ladies.
1: Yeah, and those uh, two ladies are a lot of fun. They really are, Jeff. Very, knowla- very knowledgeable, uh, and know their stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah.
2: Carol yeah. could almost make a living as a stand-up comedian. <laughs> she really can. But it's called Putting Your Landscape to Bed, okay. and, um, and it's uh, from 9 to 4.30 registrations fifteen dollars and i need to have that if folks the listening audience is interested call the office uh... by tuesday which would be the second um, close a business that the office numbers uh... 307 three two two three six six seven but um, i've had carol and tamla and and some of the other work team i think this is the fourth or fifth time i've had them in but the, what we're going to cover this time this is the first time they've done this program so it'll be interesting. Um, general, that's eight registrations, May 39, and it's at the 4-H building here on at the fairgrounds at 57 Antelope Gap Road. Uh, garden cleanup and composting, that was Carol, and then cleaning up the vegetable garden, that'd be Tamla, and then what to do with woody plants handling in the winter. Okay. And lunch is on your own, so this way you, you can... You know, visit with some of the folks that are there. Then, the afternoon, getting your perennials ready for winter, some propagation techniques, uh, season extension, which will probably be the high tunnels and those kind of things, and then winterizing turf grass. So, that's uh, coming up next Saturday. Uh, So, we're pretty excited about it. And so far, the registration hasn't been too bad. I think we're sitting at about 15
1: okay yeah, yeah it so, sounds like a really good program I, I see jerry nodding his head i i think if he wasn't preoccupied with something else next weekend he'd probably head over that trail. but yeah i, I mean we, we, needs- like i
2: say we've got folks from goshen county and even the panhandle nebraska that have come to some of these different workshops yeah and so that one's coming up and then one i'm working on now i'm still trying to get some of the final pieces put together Is a another uh, specialty crop workshop um I'm still waiting on a few topics, but uh, we're going to have Chris Hilbert come in and uh, talk about his apple projects there on uh, on campus. Uh, he's got some variety trials of different uh, varieties of apples that, you know, maybe can be, once they prove, can be recommended for Wyoming. Sure. Um, I've got Rowdy H. coming in on biochar. I've got uh, Harrison Topp coming in from Hutchkiss, uh, Colorado. He's going to talk about some of the new the food safety laws, not the Food Security Act that was passed for for Wyoming, but the um, you know the national law on sales and and what you have to do to be in compliance. But in visiting with him, he also has an organic orchard over in Hotchkiss, so I've asked him to to talk about that. Uh, I've got a lady from uh, I can I don't have the, the agenda in front of me, but a uh, lady coming in from uh, on campus. And Jeff, you probably know her. Uh, is gonna do a thing she does the media stuff for UW on and and on the Ag College. She's gonna do a session on um, multimedia marketing and then Brian Lee from over at Sarek is gonna do an update on his hops work. Um, and I've got Carrie what's her last name there on, on uh, Eberly. Yeah, and she's going to do a session on the ancient grains, some of the research they're doing. Oh, the there.
1: spelt and the emmer. Yeah, that's an interesting project.
2: Right, and so I've asked her to come in, and then I'm, I'm working on some folks that are in the organic uh, kind of the advantages advantages disadvantages of organic. So I'm in the process of trying to get that one ironed out. Um,
1: and so then I've got so a few Leroy, things. when is this program? It's usually it's the, end the end of 20- October.
2: Seventh and eighth of October. Yeah, it's the last. Yeah, Saturday and Sunday of October. So I think that's twenty seventh and twenty eighth, and it'll be at the Platte Valley Bank. I don't have a registration fee and stuff like that yet, Jeff. I'm just in the process of putting it together, and then this gosh, is October this 1st. is
1: early early advertisement opportunity. Yeah, and but I think it's, <laughs> I
2: really do think that um, that it's going to be. It's, it's, this is the fourth one that we've had over here, and Jeff, you've been a part of, of them. And right, and
1: they're usually pretty uh, informative. There's a whole lot of things going on, and, and I would encourage folks, if they have any interest in some of the topics that Leroy has mentioned, to um, uh, contact the Platte County Extension Office for more information. I'd wait a week, though, because Leroy yep. doesn't have everything well, set Well, yeah,
2: and, and one of the <laughs> things, I guess, the goals of these workshops. And I know they've done some really good ones over in in Laramie County through Master Gardeners and Catherine. But I think the goal of the workshops is to get people to think beyond what we're normally doing. You know, it's kind of the old adage, if you keep doing the same thing and expect different results, you're going to get, you know, that's not going to happen. And so, you know, I'm trying to find, I I do have reached out to a couple of guys up in Jackson. I don't think they're going to be able to do it this year, but they have just been licensed to do uh, hard cider. They've got their ATF oh, okay. and all of that stuff. So, you know, uh, maybe, maybe next year we can bring them down. I did talk to uh, Dick Young with his orchard over there, and they're going to be tied up. So, you know, I, I'd like to have um, somebody with a, a commercial orchard because, you know, it can work in Wyoming. And, and that's what we're trying to do is to get people to, I guess, think outside the box a little bit.
1: Yeah, I, I'm I'm really pleased with my apple production this year. I didn't have as much loss to squirrels, and I had a. Uh, we're still picking apples, so the the Honey Crisps this year are um, yummy. <laughs> Did I give you one of those, Jerry? I didn't give you one of those. Um, they uh, it's just candy. I mean, they're very sweet. Uh, the other two varieties are tart, so they're good for bakers, and and uh, we've started drying them, and it's. Just kind of fun to have fruit that you've grown around. Well,
2: and um, I know back in the '30s, uh, Wyoming was just like a third leading radish seed producer in the nation, and so you know we've done these things, but we've gotten back into kind of the um,
1: traditional right. agriculture.
2: Yeah, and yep. exactly, Jeff, and, and, and
1: not that there's anything wrong with that. No, because and we I need think that.
2: What I'm, what I'm looking at these is. If you got a piece of ground, maybe a corner, uh, you might want to try a vineyard or you might want to try, you know, and, and you know this as well as I do, Jeff, there's a, a need for the small berries, the raspberries, yeah. strawberries and stuff. So it's a lot of work, but there's some opportunities.
1: So, so Leroy's, um, I've got I to say, hobby, he, he grows a wide variety of berries and experiments uh, and uh, tries to see what will grow in Wyoming uh, in somewhat harsh conditions. Not very protected over there, are you Leroy no it's it's wide open and <laughs> this hasn't and I don't
2: think whether you dealt with it much or not but but it's not just here we've really been hit with cane blight this year okay uh, really bad, and I've had some uh, conversations with others that had just a small uh, home raspberry garden how come my canes are, are tipping over As a matter of fact, I talked when I was talking to Dick he said somebody over there bilingual had had an issue with with cane blight, so I'm not sure you know, there was some early hail. Whether that damaged the plants enough to open it up, you know, for the fungal disease to get into it.
1: Well, and and there are cane borers that do the same thing. So they'll get in and they'll girdle in uh, the uh, the stem. They'll right. chew around the stem and then they'll lay eggs in it and then the larvae feed inside the stem and then they'll just snap over in the wind. Mm-hmm. So And, it, and so, it,
2: you know, I think a lot of people have lost production in even their little home berry patch uh, because of that. So, you know, people need to... When they go into these alternative crops, uh, need to be aware that there are some some. It's agriculture, so you you got to deal with the things that everybody else does: the hail, right. the freezes, the
1: grasshoppers, yeah. and all of that stuff. The yeah. uh, fruit fly. Yep. Oh yeah. Bless <laughs> his hard. <laughs> all kinds of good stuff, right? And the European paper wasp, and yes, I I, I have uh, guests at my place right now, and I I. He was out um, harvesting tomatoes in our high tunnel and and was stung on the knuckle of his hand. And uh, his whole hand swelled up like a balloon. So uh, I'm glad it didn't affect him any more than that. But he's been... Well, and,
2: Jeff, that was one of the things I did mention, because, Jenny, I do the Tuesday radio for for Extension over here. And and in all seriousness, and this I think I mentioned this last week, if folks have had... And I'm allergic to them. Anaphylactic shock is not a good trip. They don't give discounts at the ER when you show up there.
1: And it's not a good time.
2: It is not a good time when your eyeballs turn, you know, everything gets fuzzy and your throat swells up and all that stuff. So if you've had a reaction, my recommendation, a strong recommendation, is talk to your doctor and get your EpiPen. And the thing that, that I've tried, or, you know, in, at the doctor's advice, there's a steroid shot about two during the summer, and I did get stung by a yellow jacket last year and I honestly think that that the steroid shot it i still had a reaction, but it wasn't uh e r trip it wasn't
1: as severe as you have no, had absolutely in absolutely not so i think yeah. you
2: know people need to take it seriously uh you know it is not a good ride
1: well and we we talk about the aggressiveness of wasps and and really uh there's there's two lines of thought on that, right? So wasps aren't any more aggressive than bees. It just depends on what the situation is when you encounter them. Um, if uh, if they're hungry and angry, what's the word people use? Hangry. Hangry. If they're looking for a meal and uh, uh, you happen to be in the way and you. Uh, press up against them or something like that they will sting you or Uh, if you disturb their
3: nest and and you don't know that they're there they'll sting you yeah
1: and you know the thing about wasps versus honeybees is that wasps uh stingers aren't barbed as much as honeybees so they don't lose them so they can sting you repeatedly one individual can sting you repeatedly whereas bees they sting you one time and they're done right so um uh it's it's a whole different cat the the um the venom is different from bees and wasps and uh you just be careful be aware that they're out there you don't have to be afraid of them just respect them and well you're... then i
2: guess my experience um uh, and then this is a quote and, and i know you're on i think you're on the, the pest alert um out of csu And to me the wasp and, and when i got stung a couple years ago you know, I'd reached across. I was picking berries, and he was on a a leaf. And, she. Yeah, I, and he nailed me. She. But the yellow jackets, I mean, they just sting for the hell of it. And uh, <laughs> one guy on the pest alert, and another one had another one, which I won't use. But one guy said that yellow jackets used to be with a badass attitude, and and I think that pretty, or, yeah, on the yellow jackets, and I think that pretty well sums it up. They're just. They're
1: just nasty. Yeah, they you know, they do have an attitude. And they
2: do have an attitude.
1: And you just kind of have to be aware of them, and if you're allergic to them, know what's going to happen and get it taken care of, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, um, on, on that note, I think we're halfway through, so it's time to listen to our sponsors, and we'll be back in a little bit.
0: Did you know there are a number of online educational opportunities available at the UW Extension website? And... Those offerings will continue to grow over the next year. We offer an animal science course for 4-H students, as well as training on community development topics. Just go to uwyo.edu and search for UW Extension. You can access the Extension online course catalog from the main page. While you're there, check out our Facebook feed, or watch our extensive collection of From the Ground Up videos to get great gardening tips. Let's get back to the podcast.
1: Okay, we're back. This is Jeff Edwards, Jerry Urshabek, and Leroy Johns. And this is the KGOS KRM Lawn and Garden Program. And I think the second half of our show, we'd like to talk about uh, winterizing your garden, winterizing your yard, those types of things, which is kind of down Leroy's alley for next weekend. Next weekend. But let's talk about it now because we have had frost. Tuesday, we had
3: frost. I covered up my peppers, but uh, it dinged the tops of all the pumpkins, Uh and it dinged the dahlias, the cannas, the gladiolias. So they're starting their little trip down memory lane. At
1: at our house, it was more than a frost. We were down to 30 degrees for most of the night. Uh, So anything that was outside that was uncovered is, vegetable-wise, is pretty much done um the winter squash was cut and harvested yesterday uh thank you diane very much and um we're just trying to we're just getting to the point now where we need to look at it and start cleaning things up and taking care of things and so but if you are lucky enough to have a high tunnel or hoop house everything in it was was great or if you brought
3: stuff inside we had some begonias and they have a raspberry uh bloom and Gee whiz, that we have it in the bedroom and there's not much light in there, but those blooms are really starting to force out and, uh, they're, they're really wanting to, to try to keep on with their life. (laughs) (laughs) The last hurrah. The the last hurrah. (laughs) And so they'll get leggy if they, if they keep them there and they don't have enough light, but they're sure trying to
1: bloom now. Uh, Leroy, did you, um, did you get cold this week?
2: We, you know, I don't know, and it's kind of interesting, Jeff, because you've been to our place. You know, we're maybe a 100 feet or a little better above, you know, the town of Wheatland, but we were sitting at 35 on Tuesday. I think that's what it dropped down to, according to our thermometer. No, we didn't freeze. I have a hunch that some of the people down on the Laramie River and that probably were down on that 30.
1: Got a little colder. Around
2: that freezing, but I didn't hear of anybody saying that they actually froze
1: so our really cold morning was wednesday morning
2: yeah tuesday night wednesday morning yeah
1: and um um, but uh, i did
2: hear on NOAA that 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 on the NOAA radio torrington was 31 so
1: okay um, and i i happened to uh drive to shadron on wednesday morning and took the northern route to cut across and there was a location in there where i saw 23 degrees on my uh truck thermometer so um there were some spots that got hit pretty hard uh wednesday morning and so um you know uh those guys that are harvesting corn chopping corn it's uh it's a little bit of a rush now because of the frost and and uh colder temperatures so um we uh we have a question the types of wasps so there's a whole bunch of different types of wasps Hornets are different than yellow jackets, which are different than European paper wasps. Right, Leroy? Right, and the native wasp, too. And, and the native paper wasps. So and what What are the guys yeah. that drill a hole into the ground? Uh, so those are just ground-dwelling bees or ground-dwelling Dwelling wasps. They're right. a predator wasps. Those are my favorite. Uh, most wasps are predators, Okay. Okay. Uh, Either of spiders or grasshoppers or anything um, uh, moth larva things like that they can find. Um, I think that uh, I think the question that they were trying to ask is what are the differences and the differences between all of those different types of wasps are just subtle nuances. Anything yellow and black (laughs) (laughs) and and somewhat shiny uh, they're kind of all the same, Um, but um, the. So the only difference between the native paper wasp and the European paper wasp that is a relatively new introduction is that the European paper wasp has um, yellow antenna. The native has black antenna. And that's really body shape, body coloration, everything is all the same. But if you happen to get close enough to them to recognize that the antenna are a different, lighter color, then that would be the European version. Uh, to me, hornets are a little bit smaller than the paper wasps. They are, their bodies are a little bit fuzzier. Um, uh, so was that the one that you said was really aggressive?
2: Yeah, the, the yellow jacket, um, I refer to the wasp, the one with the hanging butt. You know, when they fly, it, it, it's different. You know, the yellow jacket to me just looks like a jet fighter. Uh, They're just all, you know, they're all business. And, the. Yellow jacket just seems to. I mean, the wasp seems to fly a little slower, and you know, they just fly different—the uh, way their legs drag and stuff like that. Um, but as they said, you're right. As they say in ham radio, if you have an eyeball with a yellow pin, one, he's got the yellow antenna. Yep. I think maybe a little smaller than the native
1: uh, wasp. Mm, potentially, yeah. But uh, really, the, the really, the the coloration is very Same. similar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The markings on the body are very similar. So. um you know, how do you tell them apart? I don't know if it's really. Uh, you just kind of have to figure out that the, yes, they are different, and and um, uh, maybe go into one of your web browsers and start looking at the different types of wasps to try to help you understand which ones which. Yeah, so that's and then avoid all of them. <laughs> well, I
2: man, Scott Shell did a really good article in backwoods and or backyards and barnyards here. it was last year, I think, on the difference between the two wasps. We've got, what, the aerial yellow jacket and the western yellow jacket. One builds their nest above ground and one uh, below ground or in, you know, at lower elevations. Okay. It was in the backyard or uh, barnyards. Barnyards and Backyards Backyards
1: magazine. It's published by the University of Wyoming. Very good reference for a lot of different things.
2: And it's $10 a quarter. Or $10 a year and it's quarterly.
1: Yes, and there are uh, old versions of it that are available out online through Mm -hmm. the University of Wyoming Extension website. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so we've had another call in. Individual has a raspberry patch, uh, and they have your favorite weed, Leroy, bindweed. Oh,
2: Platte County flower?
1: (laughs) It is taking over, and uh, the caller would like to know what to do in order to get rid of it. (laughs) <laughs> my 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 answer is good luck. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, it's uh with um since you have a perennial crop and a perennial weed, uh there really isn't a single product that I would consider recommending to try to control one without affecting the other. Yep. And um, if you're uh, in the end it's going to win anyway. <laughs> Bindweed is just a nasty weed. I would recommend leather gloves and mechanical removal. Yeah.
3: Leather gloves, because if you're talking about raspberries, they poke.
1: (laughs) They're pokey critters. (laughs) So uh, uh, there's a mite. Leroy, have you had any success with the use of the mite? I've used it,
2: uh, Jeff, and actually um, I did talk to um, um, the guy from APHIS, or from ARS, about putting some more into the berries. I have had it. They do have some over at the chamber office, around the chamber sign, and they did put some uh, on the 4-H by the tie-out buildings. It's really slow, uh, but yeah, it and I work. and I
1: understand that it works under droughty conditions. What mm-hmm. happens is the the top growth of the bindweed will dry up a little bit and it will force the mites down into the roots, which is where you really want them to. So they'll feed on the plant. Um, yeah, success rate is, is limited. I think it really has to do with um, growing conditions. But if you're trying to water your raspberries, you're also watering your, your bindweed. So um, it's just, bindweed is a tough thing. Have, Leroy, have you done any um, experimenting with direct application? So similar to, the, um, similar to the tree issue that we talked about earlier? Yeah, maybe?
2: I have, Jeff. Yeah. Um...
1: so so cut it off and then apply a product directly to that stem
2: yeah i i don't know i mean it's just a tough one uh i did have and this wasn't with the raspberries so it doesn't really address the listener's question but weed and pest we've got four acres just east of our high tunnel which is in a hay meadow and uh, weed and pest here a week ago yesterday put down two different chemical mixes and we've got a lot of bindweed in that so we're going to kind of see, and I don't remember what Pat recommended or what he had in there. I know Tordon was part of it. Might have been some Milestone, and I don't know what all. But we just want to see if if those combinations will work on bindweed and and some of the other ones like your horseweed and and stuff like that that we you know that tend to be showing up. So. We'll kind of monitor that this spring, just to see if there is a, an effective combination. But again, e- it's, uh, the e- herbicides. Yeah. and we'll be using it in your berries. E-
1: either one of those two products aren't registered for use in raspberries, and nope. and uh, they will kill them. Yes, and, absolutely. Yeah, the active ingredients. So, and I've
2: even tried flaming uh, using a propane torch on bindweed. Kind of knocks it back a little bit
1: uh oh thank again, you for the haircut yeah it, it, it honestly
2: <laughs> does and you know i've even used it on like on your uh going back to an earlier discussion um with the regrowth on on uh after you cut a tree down i've even used that uh the flaming uh on the on the suckers and and that works pretty well for a while but it doesn't it's not a, a long-term yeah. thing it just you do it often enough, eventually it'll give up and, and die. Sure, and
1: and flaming of weeds if you're in a if you're using it in your garden type setting, they really have to be small. Uh, right. Uh, once their root system is established, really all you're doing is burning off the top, and they'll regrow from the within from the root.
2: within three to four days. <laughs> and you don't have to cook it. If you, if you look at the plant, you can just kind of tell when it's starting to wilt. Yeah. So it's kind of like Jeff, your analysis of. Uh, using chemicals you don't just have to pour it on them
1: right yep
3: i did the pouring on method with the flaming and and again
1: three to four days they started greening up and coming right back but bindweed is just one of those ones that is not easy to control i uh, agree especially in a situation where you want to preserve a perennial broadleaf plant with it
3: and i used to rototill it and,
1: that oh, and you're, work you're, just, anyway. you're just spreading and it and around. that doesn't
3: work either <laughs> No, it just, it really irritates it. Recreational (laughs) rototilling on bindweed is not a recommended control tactic. So the only thing that I've ever heard that works is uh, growing pumpkins. The, The shade of the pumpkin leaf, but you never really see much bindweed in a pumpkin patch. Do you have an idea about that, Leroy?
2: No, and I'd have to go out and look at where our pumpkin and squash are. Uh, it's in our garden, and it's uh, we've got lots of uh, bindweed. I've even used the horticultural vinegar, which is uh, higher acid content than uh, regular uh, vinegar. And again, you know, it worked, but it didn't work on bindweed. It worked on some of the other weeds. But, you know, bindweed is just, there's another product out there called quinchloric. But again, it's not, you know, it says specifically on the label. You, don't, you wouldn't want to use it around your berries and stuff like that. It yeah. says specifically, I think, for carrots, 2 to 3 years so if you were you know had a lawn situation where you you know were out or a, a field then it probably would be a good alternative
1: but so, so you
2: wouldn't want to work use it around yeah
1: the, again not not recommended no not not legal either right. uh, so Jerry how did you manage to segue a discussion from bindweed into pumpkins again easily enough because
3: <laughs> bindweed is a tough one and I I remembered my Uh, old farmer's tale about, hey, this is how you get rid of bindweed is you plant pumpkins successfully three years in a row and you will have cleared your field of bindweed. Well, we've grown pumpkins and our area is typically strong on bindweed as well. We didn't really have a lot of
1: bindweed from growing pumpkins. Hmm. Interesting. I'm, yeah, su- it is. I'm surprised that it does, just doesn't climb through the canopy like it does on everything Absolutely. else. Absolutely. Yeah. Very, very... very I, I don't know the reason, but uh, from just observational activity, that's, that's what happened for us. Interesting. Uh, okay. Pumpkins, more on pumpkins. Uh, I want to say that uh, two weekends ago, I was in Riverton, and they had their <laughs> giant <laughs> pumpkin contest in Riverton. Their big one, the winner, was 340 pounds.
3: Oh, small for that area. Yeah. Uh, the gentleman that comes down and does our pumpkin kickoff and teaches us all how to grow giant pumpkins, he's typically in the six to 800 range.
2: Holy cow.
3: So, so he uh, he was uh, apparently had a real tough season. <laughs> got hailed out, <laughs> got fungus. I mean, there's a lot of things that <laughs> happened to him. Uh, and... You know, the 300-pounder, well, that's bragging rights for somebody else probably.
1: So what are you hearing on the possibility of weigh-in on uh, next Saturday? Well, we've got, uh, I've, t- I've talked to like
3: four people now. Uh, the one guy that won a couple years ago, he has four likely candidates that he will pick from. Uh, the other guys have two or three candidates to pick from. One is just a 300-pounder. My neighbor, he's in the 150, 175 area. So uh, we'll have some pumpkins to weigh. And by the way, that's October 6th. That's a fairground. It's in conjunction with...
2: Yeehaw wait days. It, wait for
3: it. Yeehaw <laughs> days. I was reprimanded because I was calling it by another name, uh, of which we won't even go into. But uh, yeah, next next Saturday, come on out and see what a giant pumpkin looks like. And what time does all of that start? Well we I don't know what time yeehaw days are. But I know that we start our check-in about eleven o'clock and official way off is and it'll be into about the noon area. So, if people have a pumpkin
1: to bring in, what what would they expect happening? Well, um, camaraderie, uh, the the thrill
3: of competition, the and the agony of defeat, and the agony of defeat, <laughs> the absolute wonder of, gee whiz, that's a big pumpkin. And you know, when you look at big pumpkins, I think the world record maybe a couple years ago, was 2023, thousand three hundred twenty three 2,000 pounds. pounds. 2,023 pounds. A tonner? <laughs> yeah. And the guy won a new Chevy pickup, and, uh, I mean, he won some stuff and some cash, and uh, it was just a really fun day for him. That wasn't a Goshen County. No, uh, no, no. no. Uh, Where
1: was that at, you know?
3: Uh, that was in Oregon. Okay, all right. So Oregon or New York, uh, California is another good place for growing pumpkins. They can start earlier and they last longer. So sure. starting earlier, I think, is the big key.
1: Longer season, little milder weather, not a lot of sunshine, not a, a lot of hail, not lot a, lot a, lot a lot of, of rain, wind, <laughs> more rain. Oregon
3: and California, New York State, yeah, they get quite a bit of rain. Yeah, um, and so you know they also are they do crazy stuff they they fertilize they fertilize like seven to ten times the normal recommended dose okay they're they're really after it and if you fertilize too fast too hard
1: it'll split the pumpkin open so you just want to like attach an iv to the plant right almost (laughs) so the people who have the automatic waterers Uh you can put in
3: a uh irrigation uh and then agriculture does this as well. Uh, a fertilizer pot. And so the water goes through the fertilizer pot and then out through your sprinkler or your drip system. Sure. And so, yeah, there's your IV. Sure, interesting. You don't have to actually insert it into the pumpkin. <laughs> so, my my uh, uncle used to, he tr- had heard yeah. that if you cut off the end of the vine and put it into milk, yeah. it'll make your pumpkin grow and do a really good job. It turned his pumpkin into mush. <laughs> <laughs> Mushky, so they didn't have anything but that was way before the giant pumpkin contest. so so that was a wife's tale that was proved incorrect incorrect right? yeah so I, I the the bindweed with the pumpkin is an old farmer's tale whether a wife was involved <laughs> she probably was as most wives are yeah they they have a say in the garden as well
1: leroy do you uh do you grow pumpkins over there
2: well yeah but nothing i mean for the grandkids and stuff like that, Jeff. No, we don't. Um, we just got some little ones. We're not into the big competition like, like you guys are talking about. Well,
3: Leroy, I, I, let me just put out a little challenge to you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, hey, come on. Wheatland is, uh, is a good <laughs> town, a good city, and we can see what kind of pumpkins that you guys can grow.
2: Well, you know, there is a uh, – I don't know whether he's got any big ones or not, but one of the guys we've gotten to know since we've been here – does raise pumpkin, but I think, again, they're more the jack-o'-lantern size sure. type. You know, uh, he donates them to the churches and stuff like that. So I think it's more for the kids to come and pick up and carve and, and stuff like that. So maybe I can issue a challenge Tuesday on the radio for next year. To, there
1: you go. To, uh,
2: if I remember. You know how it is when you get old, you kind of forget.
1: Tell him tell the, the, that um, Jerry was... Bad mouth in Platte County, and oh no! Don't do that. <laughs> but you know, every every girl will talk a little smack.
3: But you know, there's such camaraderie, and they go, "What did you do? Yeah, I tried this. I tried that." Uh, when you see a giant pumpkin, it just brings a smile to your face. So, if we wanted to promote world peace, give everybody a pumpkin seed.
1: <laughs> no, it is it is pretty incredible <laughs> that you can spend a season. Uh, growing off of one plant, something that is over a hundred pounds, even you know, even a hundred even a hundred pounds, sure. it's just crazy. But takes, you know, even, even when you yeah. plant a seed into the
3: ground and you get this dahlia or not dahlia, you get this um, uh, zinnia or a marigold or a tomato. Good gosh, that's just the miracle of growth.
1: Sure, yeah, gardening is a lot of fun. Um, when we get to the fall, I, I must say, uh, we either run out of time, we have too much stuff yep. going on, and and you look at the garden and think, mm-hmm. oh, boy, wow, when's it going to freeze? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and, yeah, I and, and just, you've been there, even like
2: picking berries, you know, we, we've been doing, of course this year, our crop wasn't very good because of the cane blight and the grasshoppers and the heat and the hail and those kind of things. But... You know, by the end of October or whatever, yeah, you're you're kind of you're getting burned out.
1: You're ready for a break. You're ready
2: for a break. Yeah. For a break. And I um, think that was with Dick Young with his apples. You know, sure. they had a good crop this year, and they've been doing the u-pick and stuff. And he said, you know, I'm just basically, you know, we're, we're getting done.
1: Yeah the um, uh, the the high tunnel this year we've had uh, Diana and I were talking this morning, and we've had continuous cucumber production since the end of June, and we are still growing cucumbers. You done yet? You done eating n- cucumbers? No. Um, All right. No, we uh, we picked a box of them, a full box of them earlier in the week. and uh, My pickup is locked. <laughs> <laughs> My doors are locked. <laughs> and, and uh they zucchini. And they are just really good producers. I, I did something this year that I don't know I would recommend, but um, uh, we trellis ours. We put them on a hog panel, and I tried three different varieties of cucumbers yeah trellis up uh, straight uh, up and um, uh, one of them was specific for a high tunnel and they grow to be i don't know 18 24 inches long really nice diameter they're the burpless uh, armenian Ar- no they're armenians uh, they're they're not armenians they're it's like an english burpless cucumber okay um and then there were two other varieties and i just intermixed them on the hog panel about a foot apart and i've got as much growth on the ground now that i had on the hog panels have on the hog panels. so they're not only growing up but they're also growing out and still producing so uh it's i really enjoy cucumbers it's been a lot of fun and yeah. and um Uh, the, one thing I'd like to talk about before we, I know we're getting close on time. Do you grow kohlrabi? Uh, we have grown kohlrabi before. We like it. Okay. So, so the coal crops, um, kohlrabi, broccoli, those types of things. I think people, uh, when they grow them, they cut them off and then they yank the plant out of the ground, right? So, so kohlrabi and broccoli and some of the others, if you cut them off and leave a few leaves at the base... They will actually regrow and continue to produce. So our broccoli, we cut the original main head off, and we were uh, continually harvesting more broccoli off that for another six weeks. And isn't it sweeter? And the same with Brussels sprouts, I'm sure. Uh, So Brussels sprouts are a little bit different different because it takes all all season for them to actually become mature and harvest them. Um, But kohlrabi uh it, it's a weird plan anyway the stem grows up it swells right above the soil and then it puts leaves out on top of that and in the past you cut that swollen stem off and you peel it and that's the part that you eat and normally you yank the stem out of the ground and you're done we were in saratoga last uh this last spring and uh there was a grower down there who had cut some off uh, earlier in the year I mean, excuse me, last fall, and they were regrowing and producing multiple kohlrabis on that stem... Uh. And I did the same thing this year, and I am now harvesting the second crop of kohlrabi. Multiple kohlrabis. Right. So um, instead of just a main stem, you now have where they're kind of like the eyes of a potato. Right. Wherever there's new growth, it's going to send up a new stem, and they will actually get to be about the same size as the ones that you harvested earlier. I'll be darned. Yeah. So it, the regrowth and production is just amazing. Yeah. So let's do this. Uh, Leroy, we, we thank you for being on air with us today. Any final quick parting comments before we, uh, call it a year? Uh,
2: no, uh, competition for the pumpkins, but again, October 6th, over at <laughs> the 4-H building, if you want to learn how to basically cover a lot of the stuff that was covered today, uh, putting the landscape to bed, which is what you wrapped it up with, guys. Uh, so if you're interested in, in attending, it's, uh, call the extension office and Maryland will put you on, the the sign-up list, and then you can pay at the door, but it's... Give uh,
1: us your phone number one more time.
2: 307-322-3667.
1: Fantastic. Jerry, do Uh, you have final parting comments? Well, a couple
3: of them. Um, The cleanup of the garden is so important. The cleanup of the area that you live in is also important. Dr. Barb Kaiser, a vet from Lusk, has written also in barnyards and backyards about uh, cleaning up your area to reduce flying insects so you know even a vet has has seen that if you reduce your uh, metal piles and any of your tall grasses standing water you'll reduce some of the areas like uh, for blue tongue virus west nile virus vesicular stomatitis that sores in the mouth of your horses or your cows and so it's a good thing to clean up Um, the second thing i guess there's three things go ahead uh the the second thing is uh the pumpkin contest next weekend the third thing is um thank you jeff and the crew here at cage us uh that allows us to come
1: into your home and families and your business and greg and leanne for putting up with us when we don't know which buttons to push (laughs) <laughs> those background people really make us look good and
3: thank you jeff for the opportunity
1: yep and uh you know uh, from the university of wyoming paul johnson has been putting our podcasts together and uh, uh again it's great to have a good sound guy and make us uh sound good and if uh you have missed our programs you can listen to our podcast we're really out of time uh thank you all very much for uh being guests this year and co-hosts and uh providing information to the public. It's been a hoot. We'll see you next April. Catch you later. Bye.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the Lawn and Garden Podcast with UW Extension Specialist Jeff Edwards and Jerry Erschebeck, presented by UW Extension. We'll see you next time.